Good morning, everybody. Let's uh, keep praying, shall we? Let's pray. Father, please may we hear and understand together what Jesus is saying in this section of the Bible. And please may we be changed for good as a result. Amen. Last week, there was the announcement of the Children's Word of the Year for 2021. Oxford University Press asked 8,000 children to vote from a shortlist of words, and they've announced the word that came top. And the word was anxiety. That's rather troubling, isn't it? But not very surprising. Children have had a lot to carry over the last two years, don't you think? And it's not just the kids. We've all been overburdened, whether it's been with the stress of everyday lockdown or with demanding jobs on Zoom, Zoom calls for eight hours a day or whatever, or family pressures, or being ill ourselves, or uh, having family members who have been ill. Or perhaps we feel guilty because we feel that other people are in a much worse state than us and we are just not coping. Or the sheer number of tasks that we're trying to juggle seems impossible and we are weary and we're burdened and we really, really want that to change as we hopefully head out into a post-Omicron season. So then, in this beautiful paragraph in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus addresses us with the most important and most timely invitation that you can imagine. Please take a look at it. If you can get those Bibles and look at page 977, it's Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Let's just look at it again. 977 in your Bibles. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So there are two aspects to the invitation. Come to me and take my yoke upon you. So let's look at each of those in turn. First, Jesus says, come to me. Now, that's all very well for the people who were with him at the time. They could physically go to him. But what does it mean for us to come to Jesus, do you think? For people who aren't Christians here, it may seem very weird, the idea that it's still a live option for us to come to Jesus. But I'm sure you know, Christians don't see Jesus as a dead historical figure. We claim that we can and do interact with him now that we can come to him through prayer and through his Holy Spirit embedded in our lives. Now, actually interacting with him is an ongoing issue for most of us. For instance, I'm very busy. I've got an absorbing job as a scientist. I've got a high-energy family. And because I'm so tired and pressured, I often tackle my day without focusing on God, without being aware that God is actually there or that he wants to be part of my decisions and actions. So for me, and for you too, I expect, we need to respond to Jesus' call to come to him more and more. It can be in that moment of stress uh, and anxiety when we open the nasty email, 
We can quickly pray at that moment. And that's extremely valuable, but it's quite a short interaction, don't you think? So also in the early morning, or in my case, late evening, when no one's interrupting us, I suggest it's a good action point for you and me to mark out some time to be with God. We can pray at that point, we can sing, we can read the Bible, we can listen, we can just thrill with the mystery of God, we can rest a little while. And we can do that for just a few minutes if that's what we've got. But I think it's good if we can hardwire that time into our day. Come to me all who are weary and burdened. It's important to say that there are more serious things that make us weary and burdened too, besides our daily stresses and strains. So for instance, there's a guilty conscience. That can be a hard burden to bear. And there are the choices we've made which have led to pain and disruption for other people's lives. That's a, a kind of regret that can weigh us down. Or for some of us, there's the sense that nothing we do is enough, no matter how hard we try. And we lose sleep over these things. And Jesus says, come to me, all you, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. You're welcome in your troubled state. And coming to Jesus now, you can find forgiveness and mercy and kindness and a fresh start and at last some rest. But what does Jesus mean when he says, I'll give you rest? It would be easy to say something trite at this point in a sermon, wouldn't it? Some snake oil salesman comment about how you'll, you'll have a life of ease if you just hand your problems over to Jesus. And I'm very clear that that's not what Jesus means. Because just a few chapters later, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. In other words, coming to Jesus may get you executed or at least persecuted. So how can Jesus promise rest then? It doesn't sound very restful. I think part of it is that even as we go through the darkest times, there is a degree of peace and rest that we can have when we keep on with Jesus. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and staff, they comfort me. I've experienced it myself. In a particular crisis, saying the Lord's Prayer did not make the crisis go away but it was an awful lot better than not saying the Lord's Prayer in terms of my stress levels. And I've seen particular people pray or worship in absolute desperation, and then they display some element of peace, even though it's not by any means complete. So I think part of what Jesus is saying here is that he really does give rest as we come to him. And it's in the middle of turmoil, it's messy, but he does help us in those dark times. And we can reach out and pray, Lord, please help. Lord, please give me some rest. But also there's a more lasting aspect of the rest he gives us too. There's the rest of no longer being oppressed by guilt and shame or trying to be good enough. It's as though as we live our life with Jesus present, it's like we're starting to enter a new world. But at the same time, it's like we're coming home and that's related to the rest of knowing that we are loved and treasured 
by God for the entirety of our future in the bad times and the good. So Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Let's now move on to the other aspect of Jesus' invitation. He says, take my yoke upon you. Now, most of us are not from a farming culture with traditional methods. So like me, you might be a bit hazy about what a yoke is. We're not talking about the yellow part of an egg. We're talking about a type of crossbar that you attach over the necks of two oxen. And the crossbar is then attached to a plow or cart for the animals to pull. And in the Bible, this picture of a yoke is often used negatively. So we hear of the Israelites as being under the yoke of the Egyptians as slaves. Or we hear of a king putting a heavy yoke on his subjects. So it's often a picture of oppression by the people in authority. But Jesus is flipping the script here. He's saying that if we have him in charge of our lives, that will be a lot better for us. It'll be a liberation. There are things that have put a heavy yoke on us in our past, whether that's a bad employer or impossible expectations from someone or our own drivenness towards our goals. And unlike these things, Jesus' yoke and Jesus' way are a complete relief. So when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, I think the idea is he's asking us to consciously put him in charge, to say, Jesus, I'm going to go your way. I'm going to engage with your program. I'm going to find out what you want. I'm going to listen to your wisdom about how you want me to be. And I'm going to live that way. I'm going to sit down with my list of priorities and I'm going to rearrange and edit them to be in line with your priorities. Do you notice what Jesus adds to his phrase, take my yoke upon you? He says, and learn from me. So he's not setting himself up as a harsh taskmaster from on high. He's saying, you're my apprentice. Look at what I'm like. Look at what I do. And that way you can learn how to be and how to act yourself. So this is actually a hinge point in this sermon series. So far we've been thinking about being with Jesus, just like the first aspect today from Jesus, come to me. But when we think about Jesus' yoke and learning from him, well that's moving into parts two and three of our sermon series, becoming like Jesus and doing what Jesus does. So we'll think a lot more about learning from Jesus in the next few weeks. But as a preview, what could learning from Jesus look like for you and me? Lots of things, but it's bound to include listening to his teaching in the Gospels and looking at his life in the Gospels. We were saying earlier about us ring-fencing some time to spend with God. Part of that could be taking a chapter of one of the Gospels and asking, Jesus, what do I need to learn from you here? How is what you're teaching here different from what I currently act as though I believe? Or, in the scenario in this chapter, what did you do differently to what I'd have done? What can I learn from that? And as we do this, one of the key things we'll learn is Jesus' gentleness 
and humility right at the heart of who he is. He says, I am gentle and humble in heart. So having him in charge and learning from him is an absolute pleasure because he's characterized by kindness and wanting to meet us at our level. He's not like a grim dictator lording it over us from a distant palace. He's like a prince quietly volunteering in our homeless shelter. I say that again. He's not like a grim dictator lording it over us from a distant palace. He's like a prince quietly volunteering in our homeless shelter. Suppose we do take time out to read through Matthew's gospel, say, maybe a little each day. What do we learn from Jesus about gentleness and humility? Let me take one example. We see a man with leprosy come and kneel in front of Jesus and he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And this disease was considered contagious, not just medically, as we'd say, but also in making you unclean, untouchable. And what's Jesus' response? Run for the hills. Who invited this insignificant and disgusting person wasting my time? Let me just take three steps back from your impurity. No. Jesus reaches out and touches this man who's not been touched by an uninfected person since he contracted the disease. And Jesus says, I am willing, be clean. So Jesus is gentle with him and he's humbly connecting with him. And rather than uncleanness flowing from the man across to Jesus, Jesus' healing flows from him to the man, removing his burden and giving him rest from the nightmare his life had become. Let's learn from this. Let's imitate Jesus here in going to the most marginalized people and working to bring some relief. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. There's that word rest again. Did you notice that both aspects of Jesus' invitation lead to rest. Come to me and I'll give you rest, he said, and take my yoke upon you and learn from me and you'll find rest for your souls. You might be thinking, I don't need more time with Jesus to have rest. I don't need to be engaged in his work or learning from him to have rest. What I really need is a proper holiday. And you may well need a proper holiday, no doubt. But also, being with Jesus and living for him shouldn't be the opposite of rest. If we find that being a Christian is becoming super busy and busyness for busyness's sake, we will crash and burn. But if we're truly engaging with Jesus' gentle direction, that will involve a measure of rest. What's the deepest form of rest that Jesus gives us? What's the most intense example of his gentleness and humility for us to follow. There's an incredible poem that speaks about this in St. Paul's letter to the Philippians. Paul says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing 
by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's the ultimate humility. The great and lovely Jesus broken on the cross, taking up our pain and suffering, bearing our burden, providing rest for our souls. This is the one we're invited to come to, and this is the one we're invited to live for. Let me conclude with a striking picture of this from John Bunyan's book, The Pilgrim's Progress, which is telling the dream story of a man conveniently called Christian who's going along a highway, and then the following happens. I've updated the 17th century English slightly. Up this way, therefore, did burdened Christian run, but not without great difficulty because of the load on his back. He ran till he came to a somewhat raised place, and upon that place stood a cross, and a little below at the bottom, a tomb. So I saw in my dream that just as Christian came up to the cross, his burden loosed from off his shoulders and fell from off his back and began to tumble, and so continued to do till it came to the mouth of the tomb, where it fell in, and I saw it no more. Then Christian was glad and happy, and said with a merry heart, our passage, he has given me rest by his sorrow and life by his death. Then he stood still a while to look and wonder, for it was very surprising to him that the sight of the cross should thus ease him of his burden. He looked, therefore, and looked again, even till the wellsprings that were in his head sent the waters down his cheeks. Let's pray. If you'd like to, you're welcome to pray this with me, if you've never prayed before, or if you've prayed like this a thousand times. God, you're still a mystery to me in many ways. But I want to come to you. I'm so weary and burdened. Please give me rest. I want to live for you and learn from you. I want to experience your gentleness and humility. Please give me rest for my soul. Please forgive me. Please liberate me through what you've done at the cross of Jesus. And God, I want to talk to you more about all this as we go on together. Amen.